back to Wet Paper It is Amanda and Kat, and we are so excited that we have Kate Simmons on today, and she is going to share her journey with us and just tell us all about um, just her story. So we're so excited to have you, Kate. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on your success with your podcast already. You gals are doing great. Thank you so much. It's been so crazy, just all of the support and everything. It's been so much fun. So I'm going to um, just kind of jump in and actually just kind of put it on you, Kate. I want you to kind of share with us just your journey and um, just kind of tell us like what your struggles were with infertility, um, your diagnosis or whatever um, it may be. Just kind of share your story with us. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Thank you for having me. really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Um, so Chad and I got married, uh, July, 2018, June, 2018. Uh, and, you know, I just finished anesthesia school. Chad had, you know, been out of school for just like a year or two. So we were, you know, just going to enjoy marriage for a little bit, uh, by, um, let's see, like February, 2020, we were ready to start trying to have kids. I've never been the person that could just like made me wing it. Like I always had to have a plan. So it was either you're all in or not. So that's you are kinda... our girl then. You are our girl. Yeah. So Catherine and I, so we get it. <laughs> so I was kind of ready already because, um, you know, uh, we got married in the Catholic church. So you have to take a class before you get married. And they talked to us about the Creighton model then. And it was something I was interested in, um, from our like premarital class. So I had been charting with Creighton, which, um, is a form of like natural family planning that uses cervical mucus as an indicator. Um, and kind of, I guess, to talk a little bit before we started trying, um, I had been charting since that class. So I guess like maybe May, 2018. Um, and as I said, the cervical mucus is like the main indicator. I didn't ever make much. So as we were TTA trying to avoid is how we, um, talked about it with my instructor. It wasn't a big player. Um, there's one OBGYN, to my knowledge, in the Charleston area that reads Creighton charts. Her name is Dr. Stroud. Um, so I saw her and she was like, you know, like, I wouldn't stress about it right now. You guys aren't trying. You know, we'll just, just keep tracking and you get put green stickers on the days that are non-fertile. So she's like, pretty much good to go. Whatever. Okay, I want, I want you to go into that once we hear your whole story, because this For morning sure. I was looking at the charts and I'm like, what is this green and red? This is insane. I've got years worth of them. It's, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know you did this for, you know, the trying to avoid, which is what we kind of talked about before we pushed record, but that's super interesting. But, so you did two, a uh, year and a half before you guys switched from trying to avoid to trying to conceive. Yes. That is so, so cool. Lots of stickers. It's like a kindergarten teacher here. <laughs> um, so then when we um, started trying, I was just kind of, since I didn't have much cervical mucus, I um, was just using like little sticks, you know, the pee on the stick thing. Um, and so a few months in, I, I contacted Dr. Stroud. I was like, you know, it's been a few months. I don't see much cervical mucus. So she's like, yeah, come on in. We'll, you know, talk about it, do some things. So she put me on some cervical mucus supplements, which I think for most people, they don't realize that mucinex or guafenicin, that's the um, expectorant. So that increases your cervical mucus. So does amoxicillin, just an off-label usage. We don't really know why it does it, but it does. Um, and I think those are the only two she started me off on at first. Um, 
to increase cervical mucus. I still wasn't getting much. So I saw her again. She's put me on like letrozole. We've been doing some labs, um, you know, like checking my progesterone, um, checking my thyroid, all that stuff. She said, based on my progesterone, she's like, you're ovulating. Um, you know, you're just, you're just like not making a ton of cervical mucus. I'm like, okay. So this is probably September, 2020 or 2020. Yeah. And, um, we started at the lowest dose of letrozole, worked my way up, which is 2.5, up to 7.5 um, on cycle days three through seven. We did that till about December, checking labs again, peak labs. Um, and he's like, well, we can see injections. So we started that, um, which kind of so sweet because I was insisted that I would give myself the injection because I was just like, I, I do this all the time. Like, yeah. I, I'd rather me do it than you, but he was always there. Like, He's like, let me know. And he's, so he always was like ready to go for every injection, oh. me my alcohol swab and everything. And for everyone listening, Kate's husband, Chad, is like seven and a half feet tall. <laughs> he's like the most manly man, this super like big supportive man. And I can just picture that right now. That's adorable. So wait, did you ever let him give you? No. The- <laughs> no. I think it'd probably end up like, my, I don't know, not the right part. I don't think. <laughs> That's so funny. I was like, I can just turn and look at my butt chat. It's fine. Um, so, and I, I had to do it at a friend's wedding where, so when Chad couldn't come in the girl's bathroom, um, Aww. Lindsay actually came in there with me Aww. to help me with my injection. So I've had good support along the way. Um, so I guess yeah, it takes us to like January already, 2021, not much luck, just kind of adding things as we go, checking my charts. Um, we did an HSG um, in March of 2020, 2021. Yeah. Sorry, the years are running together. March of 2021. Um, so it was weird. It's actually cheaper to do it at Trident Hospital. So um, I went there for it. And it's another kind of funny story. Um, I worked for Trident Anesthesia Group before MUSC. And I was always eating breakfast, like, every morning before my first case, like 6.45. They really didn't open breakfast till seven, but if you knew people, you got it at 6.45. And there is, I'd always eat with these like two other CRNAs. And then there's this nurse practitioner in there. I never knew her name. She's always there too. And we say good morning, you know, joke about how we never miss breakfast. So fast forward to my HSG, I wake, I walk in and there's that nurse practitioner that I eat breakfast every morning. Oh my God. going to do your HSG. Yeah. She was like, she explained everything so great. It was honestly like, it was a good experience overall. She did a great job. Can I ask you about that? Because I've had an HSG. Amanda, have you? I did. Yeah. And I did it. I'm assuming we both did it in the outpatient setting. Was it being in an inpatient setting? Like, was there anything different? Did they give you any drugs for it or it was just, no, it was just a billing issue. They said somehow it's cheaper to do it at Trident hospital than like at Somerville women's care. Sure. Okay. It's just so weird. Yeah. But, um, no, they didn't give me like anything. It was, it was still really quick and all that. It was, um, just busier, you know? Um, but so I made a joke. I was like, oh, you, you know me on a lot different level level now when I see you at breakfast next time because I was still doing like locums work at Trident. Um, and then she was also pretty funny. She made a joke like uh, she's in my cervix. She's like, you know, it's not fair um, that we have to go through this. But for men to get tested, it's just something that they do every day anyways. No, I, I was know. Like, 
And as, I'm like so nervous, like trying to remember to breathe. And I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty funny. That was a good one. Yeah. I, I feel like we could talk about this in a few of the episodes that clearly aren't out yet, but like the men's side versus everything that we have to go through in terms of testing even. And I like that you're going into all the tests you had because Kate basically is doing this natural family planning. And when we were trying to figure out what the title of the episode would be, she's like, I'm like, so it's like very holistic, non-intrusive. She's like, oh no, I've had a couple surgeries. So I will let her get into that. But um, I appreciate you going through all of the procedures that are really similar to if you're on like the IVF side or IUI side of just like, okay, you're going to get the HSG. You're going to go through some pretty diagnostic, basic diagnostic testing. Yeah, you could kind of see how it goes from like less invasive to more. <clears throat> so like with just lab work, some medicine, and then HSG. And then when that HSG came back, um, my tubes were open, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, that's when Dr. Straw was just like, you know, I've done everything I can for you. I, I think you, you know, I need to refer you elsewhere, which I appreciated because that's about a year after, you know, or less, it was actually probably like six or seven months after I actually started getting help from her. So I appreciated that she just was kind of like, you're going to need more care than what I normally do. Um, So she referred me to a local fertility office here. Um, And so this is kind of where I was at that crossroads of, do I want to go there? Um, You know, I like have talked to a lot of people, kind of got the idea of how those run. Or, you know, I'd had a friend from home, actually like one of my best friends from home, um, she had had issues with infertility. She, um, did this NAPRO technology route, Creighton model. Um, she was diagnosed with stage four endo, had it removed. She's had two healthy babies since like, it's like changed her life. So I was kind of at this little crossroads here. And I was like, you know, kind of how my friend thought I was like, I am a healthy person. My partner's healthy. Um, like, I don't have any health issues. I have a normal BMI. Like, I just don't, like, there's something going on here. I want to know what's going on. So it was more of just like, I need to figure this out. And I knew that Dr. Stalling, um, who my friend used, was that person for me. So um, she's actually located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, I think COVID has helped a ton, but also these NAPRO technology doctors, there's not a ton, a ton of them. So they're used to seeing patients from out of their area state. So I could do a telehealth appointment with her. So I made that April um, and she looks like a couple months out. So it was June, 2021 before I got to my telehealth appointment with her. Um, And it's just like a one hour phone conversation. So I was just, I like, I hate talking on the phone. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk to her about for an hour. Oh my gosh, it flew. It was crazy. She asked me so many questions. I, I was just like, this woman is on it. Like she asked me things that I didn't even think would matter, like would pertain to my fertility. You know, like if I have pain urinating, any problems with my bowel movements, like all sorts of questions. I was just like, oh, she's really getting after it. Yeah. Um, so from that first meeting, she had already changed up a bunch of things. Um, so after that, she had put me on vitamin B6. I was on um, so things for egg quality and then also uh, cervical mucus production. So at this point, then I'm on amoxicillin, mucinex, and fertile CM, which is fertile cervical mucus, all to increase cervical mucus. Still on letrozole. And then I was taking a prenatal, a daily vitamin. And then um, vitamin C as well. 
Um, the plan from here was to do serial ultrasounds, which it's a, lot, it's a lot of work to get all this stuff done. Um, Post-peak estradiol, progesterone. We initially started like another thyroid panel, FSH, testosterone, all those good things. Um, but at that first conversation, she was kind of like, it sounds like on the medical side, you've kind of exhausted everything. Um, she's like, we can, can, I'm more than happy to continue with that if that's what you'd like. But um, I actually think that a diagnostic lap was probably what you need. And um, I was all, before this, I was super hesitant to do any kind of diagnostic lap. I just was apprehensive. Um, but even just that hour talking to her, I, like, I was like, if she thinks I need it, I trust her. Yeah. And Kate, can you explain for listeners what like a laparoscopy is, especially like what the diagnostic one is? Because I'm in your shoes right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, that pro- that's like really the only thing I haven't done. Um, and it's terrifying to think about. So could you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. So um, pretty much say, um, the surgeon just makes two, like one inch incisions. Um, one was like in my belly button and the other was um, like below my, um, like a bikini line. Um, and they put two cameras in there. They get really close and like look at all these structures in your abdomen. Um, they kind of inflate with some CO2. Um, and it's a chance to actually take a look at everything that's going on inside the abdomen. It's, it's like the only definitive way to diagnose certain things, endometriosis being one of them. Um, there's a lot of signs and symptoms of endometriosis. Some say like an MRI, but it's the only definitive way. Um, and it is a very safe surgery overall. It's just, again, I go back to the, I was 32. I'm like young and healthy. I'm like, do I really want surgery? But I wanted a child more so and find out what was wrong. So I decided to go ahead with it. Um, but, you know, it was a big decision for my husband and I. It was something we talked about. And um, we did feel like it was in our best interest. So um, that was June, like 14th, I think was that. Um, or six or something. So she was able to put me on her books by July 30th. So we flew to Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is actually a really cool town. <laughs> didn't think it was going to be that cool. I didn't get to enjoy a ton of it. We flew in the day before surgery and left and flew out the day after. Um, stayed in Airbnb. It was great. Um, but she did find stage and she did a hysteroscopy too. So another camera up your, um, into your uterus um, she checked my tubes with that as well. And she took some biopsies to make sure I didn't have endometriitis, like an, inf- um, an infection of the layer in my uterus. Those all came back negative, but she did find deep endometriosis. It's like a stage three. Um, I, can, I have the pictures that she sent, but it, um, I'll sh- I can show you guys. Cause it's, yeah, I want to see. It was, it was pretty significant. I had no idea. Um, it was on my right ovary in the pelvic wall. The pelvic wall is, I mean, it was a good amount, um, right and left ureterosacral. So I had, um, lower back pains with my periods, but I just, I just thought that was normal. Um, like what you live with, I didn't, I didn't know any better. And so that's changed a lot since surgery. Um, a posterior cul-de-sac, my left ovary and the left posterior cul-de-sac and ureterosacral pelvic wall. My appendix looks good though. (laughs) That's good. So would you say, I mean, I'm learning so much because, so would you say other than the low back pain with your periods, it was basically silent? Yes. And so that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. I had no idea that you could have that much endometriosis and really not have 
any symptoms besides infertility. And Dr. Stalling told me that that's actually like one of, like a lot of women, the only um, symptom is infertility. That is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, my periods are always regular, like, I don't know, 28, 30 days, normal. Um, I have a little bit of lower back cramping, which just kind of felt like you've been standing all day, you know? I, have I would take too, like, which is yeah. very, I don't get any, I don't get it. Amanda's like me too. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I don't get any stomach cramps. I've never had like Mm-mm. stomach cramps with PMS and it's always lower black back pain only. And you're freaking me out, but this is good. <laughs> I'm going to learn. You know, it's just, it, it's just so funny. Like you can have like, but I had that much going on and like no idea. Um, here, if you guys can, I don't know if you can see it. I can send you the pictures. Yeah, she's so circled. What, please do. Oh, so yeah. everything she circled was endo? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Let me show you. Um, so the- I'm sorry, everybody listening. <laughs> We're like, There's a lot circled. Okay, let's. let's oh my do gosh, that. Kate. And that so she sent. Crazy. And to be silent. That's like insane. And yeah, so um, when, so when we got the, she had gone and talked to Chad after, like right after. Um, and so then when I got to like phase two, so after the recovery room, you go to another area, but then you like finally, and, um, Chad told me, he's like, you know, found, she found endo, like not in, too much for her to remove in this diagnostic lab. Cause she said, it's just a little bit, I'll just go ahead and remove it. But she's gonna, she's like, I have to come back with, um, a robot to do it, which I can go back. I can go into robotic surgery as well. Um, when I, I get that in September, but, um, um, you know, I initially cried because I was like another surgery, but then I was also happy to have a diagnosis and something that we can treat and hopefully fix. But I did know already that it's pretty much like a lifelong disease. You can remove it, but it will come back. Um, luckily for me, it's silent. So when I'm older, it's not as much of an issue because there are women that get multiple surgeries to remove it year, like years later. Absolutely. So that was going to be my biggest question. You kind of just answered it. You ha- on the, on the bright side, you have a diagnosis mm-hmm. and you have like a step one, two, and three to mm-hmm. kind of treat it. So I guess once that happened and you said July of 2021, yes. July. And so then you went, we went moved forward a couple of months later in September and actually had it removed. Yes. So um, she's like, I'll get you. As soon as she talked to Chad, Chad's like, I know Kate will want the surgery. She's like, I'll let my people know, like to give her a call and get her on the books. So, um, and actually just for anyone out there, like my recovery from the diagnostic lap was great. I, um, you know, we flew home the next day. If anyone has anything, I'd recommend um, stool softer immediately. Like I didn't even take any narcotics afterwards, but just that one one anesthetic, man. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, I, I didn't take it, but like gas X a lot because they use that gas to insufflate that it helps yeah. remove it. Cause it is kind of a weird feeling to feel that gas, um, before it leaves your body. Like that. That's actually exactly those, those two things are what Amanda suggested for me after they do the egg retrieval, because kind of similar thing, like they're in train air. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so, but, um, I, my recovery was really, was really great. Um, back to work on Monday. Wow. So Friday surgery, back to work on Monday. Um, so they gave us, yeah, they got me, so they got me a call. Her office is wonderful. They called me, um, 
I don't know, within a couple of weeks to schedule. She's like, the Friday before Labor Day is open. I was like, ooh, we have a trip to Ireland. I, I, I'm like, I'm ready to do the surgery, but like we, we need this trip so badly. Um, and kind of like what I was saying, like I'm all like with this pregnancy, trying to get pregnant thing, I'm all in. So, you know, when people are trying to be sweet and like, you need a break, just take a break. That's just like not in my DNA. Like I can say I'm taking a break, but in my head, it's cycle day 12. Like we need, we need to get this done, you know? Yeah. Did, um, you, hear, did you hear our first podcast? I was like, yeah, we took a three month break, but I took yeah. my progesterone to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, it's just not in me. But after I like have learned that I had that endometriosis, I was in sell the pictures. I was like, I am very confident that I'm not going to get pregnant before this is removed. So it was like the first time I'd had a mental break. Cause I was just like, I'm just waiting now for my surgery. I can kind of relax. So we just like really enjoyed this vacation. Um, I'll sort of backtrack after I had gotten that state, um, endo diagnosis, I had gone gluten-free, um, cut out refined sugar and GMOs. Um, since it's endometriosis is all an inflammatory process. I was out to help prevent it from growing growing back, but I was trying to just get my lifestyle right before the surgery. I did cheat in Ireland. I do love Guinness. So I, I did <laughs> some yeah. Guinness. And so I that was kind of my break. But when I got back, it was game time. Um, so it, September 24th of uh, 2021 was my robotic excision of my endometriosis. Um, so with this one, it's not super different from the diagnostic lab. They do five inc- little incisions like one inch, some cameras in there and some tools. And the only thing that makes it robotic is the surgeons in the corner driving the robot that has its arms. So the benefits see better and get closer. It's just a more precise surgery. Um, and I think the recovery is supposed to be better as well. Um, and do you have to do anything to prep for these? I'm just curious because I'm, I don't really know much about them. So I didn't know if there's anything prior you have to take or do. Nope. Okay. Nope. She, um, we do it like she tries to do it after your period before ovulation. Okay. Um, so it's a pretty small window. Yeah. I was like right on the cusp. So she just asked that you like abstain or leading up to surgery. That's it. Just so you don't get pregnant. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I had that done. Same thing. Gas sex and yeah. stool softeners. Yeah. My only, um, but that actually recovery was great too. Like I think I took, couple of narcotics that day and then I was good. Uh, but I mean, it's different for everyone. Everyone's different. But um, for me, that recovery was a really good one too. Um, and then it takes a couple months for the healing to occur. So I'd already noticed differences in my, my second cycle afterwards, um, like less lower back pain, um, just felt better overall. Wow. Uh, so like, what would you, I'm selfishly asking you this, what would you on like a zero to 10 scale say your back pain was prior to the surgery and then after? Um, so it was not bad. It was just like a discomfort. So I'd say like two and then now I don't really get them at all. Wow. Um, and it was like easily treatable. Like if I took like Motrin, it would go away. Yeah. Um, Wait, but, so at this time after the surgery, are you no longer trying are they saying like you have to no. wait to try or That's another question? So another thing about my surgeon that I loved is she's just like resume to- act- all activities is tolerated. So we actually tried that cycle. Yeah. Um, didn't happen for us, but, uh, and again, I could like, she had like, I was back at the gym like Tuesday my surgery was Friday. So I like, loved that. She just was like, you know, 
as you feel ready to do all the things you normally do, do it. Because okay. I, was, I was off from work for two weeks. Um, I was really lucky that I just, when I had that short window of my first surgery to my second surgery, I was kind of telling my boss what was going on. And he was like, if you need two weeks, like the doctor says, take them. So um, like I had two weeks off work to recover from it. So I mean, I think me returning to exercise was part of my recovery and just going back to my normal life. So yeah, um, I was really lucky from that work standpoint too. I was just saying, even like emotionally, cause like, even if you feel better physically, I feel like emotionally taking those two weeks could be so helpful. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> because I let's like hit my on something and I'm like, Oh yeah, those incisions are not quite healed yet. <laughs> Soft spot. Surgery. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was in September. Gosh, yeah. I feel like we're still in December of last year. I know. <laughs> so it's been like what four months since then, and I know you guys tried the first month, September, yeah. October. So yeah, so we're still. On, I'm still on all those medications, um, doing mid-cycle ultrasounds to look at follicles, um, how thick my lining is, um, all the post-peak labs. The gals at Rutledge Tower know me pretty well these days. Um, and I am pretty lucky too that I can just kind of bop over from work and get my labs done. My job doesn't allow me to just take like a quick lunch to do things. So um, I have a lot of great coworkers that help me with that as well. Um, oh, and I think through this process, I've kind of um, just like shifted my whole thinking of um, pregnancy and conception where you used to think I was just like pregnant, like getting pregnant was just something that happened. You have sex and you get pregnant. But now I think, especially with this treatment, I've realized that there's a lot of things that have to fall into place perfectly for you to conceive. And then for that um, embryo to even implant, um, like for instance, after, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, I think that's a perfect kind of transition into, if you can explain to everybody, like the, the Creighton model and, and what you're saying of everything has to fall into place. And it, like I said, in the very first episode, um, you know, we like would have sex and my period would be like three days later and I would take a pregnancy test the next <laughs> oh, yeah, day. That was like, funny. I'm just like, oh, I don't know, but I, there's really what, like five to seven days that you really are fertile. Yes. And then everything has to be like optimal, optimal working conditions. Um, all systems go for it to work. Um, cause even, you know, even after my surgery where I was like, all right, I'm healed. It's like, I'm ready. And then I'm still getting my labs and my estradiol is double what it's supposed to be. And I'm like, what is going on here? And they're like, it's okay. Like, so, um, she always starts with like something more natural. So she's like, just increase your cruciferous vegetables, which I was like, all right, I'm going to Google cruciferous. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> I'm going to Costco buying like bags of cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and I have to eat those like post peaks. So I'm making all rice. So I'm being gluten free. We've been eating a lot of rice. I'm like, okay, it's all cauliflower rice now. So making that all at home, <clears throat> like um, eating Brussels sprouts, porchetta, so gassy. <laughs> oh. So much. And so my um, estradiol is still so high. She's like, we'll start you on estradim, um, which is another supplement to, that metabolizes estradiol. So the last two months, it's been within normal range, which literally had to cut it in half, which is crazy. Um, so I'm very thankful that I'm um, responding to the, est the estradim. Um, but it's just like another thing to add to like the list. But you get used to all the... Um, medications each day and it's kind of like I feel like at work someone's like what day is day I want to make cycle day 10 
And I'm like, oh, oh, I can relate oh, to nope. that. January 3rd. <laughs> yes, Ryan. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, we're in months here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as you're speaking through all this and it sounds like she's like almost daily monitoring you in a sense, what type of physician is this in Indiana? This is the same one in Indiana. Yes. Sorry. That's a great question. Um, so she is an OBGYN. Um, and then she actually did a fellowship at Creighton University at the St. Paul VI Institute um, in naprotechnology, which I think a lot of it focuses on um, robotic surgeries. She did a surgical fellowship as well as the medical, the medicine side of NAPRO. Um, so it's just an extra fellowship that an OBGYN does. So she does deliver babies as well. Um, but then she also does a lot of this um, like infertility treatment surgery stuff too. Which is so unique because you, it is. you see an OB and they're not going to touch the trying to conceive past, you know, like that very initial phase, or then you're seeing an REI and they're not going to deliver the baby. So how that's very unique. Yes. And I just um, feel very lucky too, because like every service they've had that um, isn't covered by insurance, which is very few things like my telehealth appointment, they didn't bill insurance for, but it was, like, I think it was like $200, which as an hourly rate, it's not that much money, you know? Um, like, I think that's very reasonable, but everything else has been covered by surgeries because you get a medical diagnosis, they're treating something. Um, so everything is submitted to insurance and covered. And so, I mean, that's just been like a huge like relief because, oh, you know, you know, the minute something says infertility, um, it's like rejected, but she's treating endometriosis or hormone imbalance. Um, so it's, it's just been super helpful. And then they even offer, so obviously if I were to get pregnant, she can't deliver my baby, but they will do progesterone monitoring during pregnancy because, um, they do a lot of progesterone supplements for, um, their patients that, do you get pregnant? Because I think they've found that a lot have um, issues with progesterone, especially if they've had fertility issues in the past. Absolutely. Um, so can you walk us through, so let's say tomorrow is cycle day one. Could yes. you walk us through like a cycle day one through, oh, we're just going to go on average 28, what that looks like in terms of, and it can be generalized, but like what labs you're getting in those 28 mm -hmm. days, kind of what that monitoring looks like in terms of just how many times you're having to go get your blood drawn, yeah. what you're putting into your body, how many times you're being in contact with the physician. Yeah. So cycle day one, um, I'm catching my breath because it means I'm starting another cycle. Um, so I probably cried once and then I am going to just get my mind right for the next one. So I'm actually going to take some time and enjoy because I'm on my period. So I don't have to be as crazy about my um, tracking of my cervical mucus because you're just not, you're not having it right then. You can have it in the last couple of days of your period, but um, I have never had that. So I don't worry about that. So it's kind of like a couple of days off. Um, by and cycle day one, I am submitting my last month's chart, my medication record to the nurse's office because they do offer a cycle review each month, again, that they bill for insurance with the nurse. The, um, and my nurse has been wonderful. Um, but she communicates with Dr. Stalling about everything that's gone on that month. They talk and then she and I meet through like a telephone conversation. Um, but I submit all that cycle day one. And then cycle days three through seven, I am taking my letrozole, which I've been at five milligrams for a while. Um, and then cycle day eight, I start my cervical mucus supplements, and those go till peak plus three. So my 
peak days, the most fertile mucus I make for the full month. Um, and let's do something right then just because how it differs from like, let's say like for what I'm doing right now is it's kind of like cervical mucus monitoring, but also taking like an, like peeing on a OPK or like ovulation mm -hmm. predict, prediction stick. That's completely taken out of this model. Is that correct to get your peak? Exactly. So some, I know some women, um, I think still do it just like for background, but, um, I, this model is strictly cervical mucus, all external, like there's no internal exams for it. Um, the, the biggest thing is just making sure you don't miss an observation. So every time you use the bathroom before and after, before you shower, get in a pool, each night before you go to bed. Um, so it's just like a lot of that. So that's why I enjoy how, those couple of days where I don't do it. Charting it. So like you say you go to the bathroom and you go look at it, then how do you chart it? Like, I know for us, we have like apps that I've used and stuff like that. So is it an app or what do you, can you explain that? So to I, have a, yeah, I have a paper chart um, that's given to me by my instructor, but they have made a crate model app, but I mean, I still carry a paper calendar. So I'm a paper gal through and through, um, <laughs> but oops, sorry. I think I just, you're good. So this is funny. I want to know this answer too, because I did, I was reading a little bit about the Creighton model this morning and it was like, you think cervical, yes, you think cervical mucus is hard to chart. Isn't it like, like a code that you basically have for each? Exactly. Yeah. But they, it breaks it down for you. So it goes off of um, the color, the feel. So anything that's like lubricated feeling is peak type mucus. Like it's already a go time. Um, but yeah, you go with color, um, how, like when, if it's stretchy, how, um, stretchy it is based on inches and then lubrication presence or none. And that's kind of how you determine what it is. Um, but I have a practitioner here that I work with, um, in Charleston, her name's Janelle and she's great. Um, she's, I text her if I have I'm like, uh, I don't know which day is my peak. She'll help me out. Um, she's been a great resource throughout all of this. I feel like I'd be taking pictures and like sending them every single day. <laughs> That's, that would be me. I'm like, does this look right? What is this? That was so funny. <laughs> At some point you just kind of know what, what to expect each month and you're kind of like, okay, yep, this is this day. So you get into a good rhythm. Yeah. Um, makes it so much easier. Um, so yeah, cycle day eight, I start those supplements and then yeah, till poke, um, peak plus three. And then um, like cycle day 14, I get a um, ultrasound a mid-cycle ultrasound and then peak plus seven I get my progesterone and estradiol labs um, and so then are you, are you on progesterone are they taking your natural progesterone labs with my letrozole yeah with my letrozole it brings up my progesterone to like okay. a good level so letrozole helps with that so I don't have to take progesterone during my that's so nice um what are they well I'm, I don't know about the letrozole but <laughs> at least you don't have to do both letrozole is not great <laughs> Yeah, I, I get really sweaty. That's that's what I've heard. So, what are they looking at at on the ultrasound in day fourteen? Um, follicles, how many I have, lining of my uterus or my uterine lining. Um, I think those are like the big things. Yeah. And then, like if I've ovulated or not. It's so like my last one. She's like, you definitely ovulated plus minus two days from cycle day fourteen. Um, so it was good information to have to help like yeah. focus yeah. on the days. Um, and then peak plus three, I start the estradim till peak plus 12. And then I wait. Yeah. The waiting game. So fun. Yes. <laughs> um, 
And so the thing I would say is like, this sounds like a lot of work, but it's a lot of things that are just kind of slowly added on. So it's super feasible. So I just, you know, anyone that's listening that is um, interested in this kind of approach, it sounds daunting, but it really isn't. Sometimes just taking that first step is like to chart is the biggest step. Um, I'm really glad I did it. And I'm really glad that I met Dr. Stalling. I think she's a wonderful surgeon and doctor and I think a really good person as well. Um, she gained my trust like instantly, which I'm kind of a skeptical person sometimes. So, I mean, she's just an amazing human. Um, I do have a question for you, Kate. Yeah. Uh, who is, so I know for me, I'm just going to quickly say this. So I had my, and I know this is different, but like my transfer for IVF I had in Michigan. So I had mm -hmm. to work with the doctors out of state as well. And so it was really hard for me to find someone to monitor here in North Carolina. Um, and that was like the hardest part was trying to do labs, to find someone yes. to do ultrasounds, to monitor me, all of that. So who are you working with where you're at? And how does that work? If you can explain that, because I know for people, if they're trying to find, you know, a specialist who does the Creighton model, mm -hmm. then it's probably going to be out of state. Yes. Yeah, so again, that's a really good question. So, um, I've been working with Dr. Stroud. So since she is the OBGYN that reads the Creighton charts here, she is, I think, used to patients kind of coming in and out of her office. So I can still get my ultrasounds done at her office. They're still covered by insurance because one time when they were booked up, I called like the fertility centers here and they were like, well, we bill your insurance and then you get a credit. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, you pay up front and then you get a credit. I'm like, I don't want to credit. Like, yeah. I want to like, use my insurance. I'm like, I've, I've used my max out of pocket this year. This is crazy. Yeah. So I've been lucky. Dr. Stroud has been so helpful. It lets me, I've used her office throughout this whole process. Um, and Kate, what's and the I, name of her office? Because I think we have a good amount of listeners out of the Charleston area. Somerville Women's Care. Um, and she is in her practice. She's still like the only one that reads the charts, but um, she's like pretty accessible and um, she's, all about it. So it's really great. Um, and I have good news for other South Carolina listeners. We now do have an APRO technology surgeon here in South Carolina. She just came in September. Uh, her name's Dr. Oh, Hemphill. Perfect timing for you. I know. I know. I had read about, so of course there's like a Facebook group and like for these like NAPRO gals and, um, we just kind of help support each other, give each other, um, advice, like with like surgeries and, you know, of course we talk surgeons. So I don't Dr. Hemphill, but I've heard really good things about her. And, um, I know I think her patients up in Pennsylvania miss her, um, but she's with MUSD, like in Kershaw area, but, um, she's, she's an APRO trained surgeon as well. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Do you, Amanda, do you have any other questions for Kate? I mean, that was super informative for me. Oh my gosh, um, so much. I had no idea like any of this even was a thing. And I think so many women too, like they get a diagnosis or even before the diagnosis, they're trying to get pregnant. Right. And they mm -hmm. aren't, and they then immediately get referred to like REI and then they you know, think they just have to go to IVF or go to IUI. And so knowing that this is even another option, I think is so helpful that they can, you know, start there, try and figure out, you know, natural cycle, like just going through their natural cycle, trying to get pregnant first. Um, but tracking it differently, I think is, I mean, it's just really helpful. I'm like, I kind of wish I tried this too. <laughs> 
Well, and that's kind of thing is like, you just feel like you're put between a corner and you're like given two options. And it's like, I, I want to, you know, I'd maybe like a different option. So I, and yeah. I do think this is like a, like an unintentionally kept secret. So I, that's, oh, I'm so grateful you guys had me because I'm glad I did this route. And, um, you know, I just, on the verge of wanting to do something like this too, I hope that, um, give them enough information to maybe look into it. It, again, it seems like a lot of work, but if you think about, I just met Dr. Stelling in June and I had surgery by September and like all my things are looking so much better than it's, it's like kind of remarkable how quickly she's worked in from out of state. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Absolutely. I kind of want to try it too. Um, I feel like I'm going to, I would love to get from you, Kate, just for the listeners too. Um, so we do a blog along with each recording. And so anytime we've dropped, we've mentioned something in the episode, we always link it on our blog. So I'd love to get from you just some of the, maybe like the link of like the local physicians, mm-hmm. the one that you used, as well as um, I know I just this morning went in and like Googled the Creighton model. Um, I was like looking up images. They have the charts, but I'm sure you could have a link to maybe what that looks like if somebody wanted to try it. And I think what's really neat is basically you could just kind of start by yourself if you wanted to try for like a month or two and just kind of. Yeah, try. they actually will not recommend that. They are like really want you to use a practitioner, but um, you, you theoretically could. Yeah. So let me yes. ask. Let me ask you that. So I was looking it up and it looked like you had to take maybe a course. Did you mm-hmm. ever take a course to learn how to read it? Yeah. So Janelle, um, she's the one that um, did it. So she, that's how I got it through that marriage class. That's oh, how I got hooked up with her. But um, it's on the Charleston Diocese, Catholic Diocese website. But um, her name's Janelle Florendo. It's okay if you're saying it. But she um, is the one that taught me all my charting. Um, and I met with her in person, but now with COVID, she does, like, we do all virtual stuff now. That's what I was going to ask, just mm-hmm. for virtual options. So we'll link all of that. But, it, I mean, that's worth it to take a quick course to learn how to chart and, and what the, the acronyms and everything. Because I saw them. It's like, I don't know how you write it yeah. out. But it looks like it's like a code that you yeah, get every single day. It's funny. And the little babies that you do for your fertile day is pretty funny. I was wondering uh, what those were. So, and that was another interesting thing is I read through it and I – think I wrote it down, but maybe not. And I did notice that it said like there's specific charts for women that have reoccurrent miscarriage and they look very different than somebody mm-hmm. that's maybe just suffering with infertility. And I wasn't going to ask you all those questions because you haven't like gone down that route, but. Yeah. And that's part of them being able to read these charts. So like, um, mine was very, before I, um, went gluten free and stuff mine had a lot less cervical mucus so you can see mine here oh that is that is a chart that oh, is so I ran out of stickers so I had to use my uh, nephew's markers here when I was out of town um but yeah so white uh yeah so what is the, the white babies are peak type mucus and green babies are just fertile days so oh. okay y'all for everyone listening it honestly is like a huge chart and it has different colors, different numbers for days. It's fun to look at. And then it has even like little, like pictures of little babies. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, Your extra fertile days. So yeah, this is, it's, they treat so many different things um, and fertility issues, but also like PMS, PMDD, um, postpartum depression. Um, they can like look at charts and do labs and stuff to help treat that with like, hormonal therapy as well. 
So there's all sorts of things these charts can tell. I just don't know their secrets because I haven't been trained. But um, <laughs> my cycle is actually shortened since surgery. Um, so she thinks that it was an inflammatory part from um, like a couple extra days from the endometriosis. And then my mucus has increased since going gluten-free actually. That's incredible. Well, we obviously wish you the best of luck here in the next couple cycles. Thanks. Do you have anything else you want to share with our listeners? I think you did a really good job about just explaining what the Creighton model is and who it's for, but any other words of advice? Well, thanks. And, um, you know, if anyone's interested and has other questions for me, you can email me. Um, if you want to share my email, that's totally fine. Um, you can ask me anything. I'm pretty much an open book. So um, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Kate. We will include her email in the show notes, which will be on the website and on the blog. Um, if, if you do email me, will you just put in the, like a, a line or else I might delete it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Put um, interested in Crate and Model. Anything that gets my attention because I get a lot of junk mail. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kate. We really appreciated having you. And I know Amanda and I personally learned a ton about this new model. Thanks, guys. So-